0: So I always ask myself the question, what exactly am I afraid of? And usually it's the loss of something. So it's, yes. what, am I, what am I afraid of losing? Is it losing my life? Is it losing a relationship? Is it losing money? Is it losing uh, face? So humiliation, yeah. um, you know, what is it I'm afraid of exactly? And then I will follow it up with, well, what's the probability of that happening? Okay. It's very low, but it doesn't make the fear disappear.
1: You are entering the Age Rebels Revolution,
0: the intelligent podcast for over 40s who want to live their best life and defy your numbers. We are your hosts, Summer Bentley
1: and Isaac Xavier.
0: Come on in. So, Isaac, today you're going to deliver some incredible information that, as we were talking about it earlier, It was just incredibly juicy and stimulating, and I think people will be blown away by this episode.
1: Hope so, because it's all about fear, and fear isn't a bad thing. It depends on the context, and I'm going to talk about what it does to our bodies, our minds, and how to be aware of it and change it if needed, but I'm going to begin with the most wonderful piece out of Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, Creating Living Beyond Fear. And this is what she said. Dearest fear, creativity and I about to go on a road trip together. I understand you'll be joining us because you always do. I acknowledge that you believe you have an important job to do in my life and that you take your job very seriously. Apparently, your job is to induce complete panic whenever I'm about to do anything interesting. And may I say, you are superb at your job. So by all means, keep doing your job if you feel you must. But I will also be doing my job in this road trip, which is to work hard and stay focused. And creativity will be doing its job, which is to remain stimulating and inspiring. There's plenty of room in this vehicle for all of us, so make yourself at home. But understand this Creativity and I are the only ones who will be making any decisions along the way. I recognize and respect that you are part of this family, and so I will never exclude you from our activities. But still, your suggestions will never be followed. You're allowed to have a seat and you're allowed to have a voice but you are not allowed to have a vote. You're not allowed to touch the roadmaps. You're not allowed to suggest detours and you're not allowed to fiddle with the temperature. Dude, you're not even allowed to touch the radio. But above all else, my dear old familiar friend, you are absolutely forbidden to drive.
0: <laughs> <That's> damn straight.
1: <laughs> and so when she's talking about fear she's not talking about the good fear that protects us. And I thought that is just such a wonderful quote about whether you identify with fear where it's going to immobilize you or keep you small or whether you're going to recognize that fear and move forward with Conscious awareness, and one of the biggest things that i I've seen, especially over the last few years, is what fear does to people's posture. And watching on the flight home, just came back from a you know the wonderful workshop we did um, from Melbourne, and I was watching the documentary on Richard Branson, and I looked at him and thought, "Oh my God, what has happened to you? He's in his seventies now, but he's really flexion posture." And looking at his life, I haven't finished the whole four parts of the documentary, but I'm looking at his life thinking, you have endured so much, but it's clearly taken its toll on your body because some of the the things that he went through with Virgin Airlines and the adventures in the balloons and things like that. So I want to talk about flexion protection and how I see it basically in 99% of the people in the world now. it's I haven't traveled to every country, so couldn't speak for the whole world. But I, if you have a look, ideally our right, the right posture is where we've got a plumb line in a straight line between ear, shoulder, hip, knee, ankle, pretty much. And most people have a forward head posture of about two to four centimeters. And all of that, that pressure puts all this strain on our neck and then our back and then... When that happens, we go more into this, I'll talk about it in a moment, the fight or flight mode or immobilization, and we just get this flexion protection. We breathe shallow and it starts a whole feedback loop that just gets worse and worse. And so when I talk to people about posture, it's not just about standing up straight. It's about, it's an attitude to life. Now that might sound all very well, but I, I always ask the question, okay, so why don't people do it? A, they're not aware. That they have a forward head posture. Many, many times when I've trained clients, they haven't realized how far forward it is and the detrimental its effect is having on their whole body and also their, their emotions as well. And so what do we do to change it? Yes, first be aware. but also to recognize what's actually happening in our body. And so we can make those changes. And I want to talk about the autonomic nervous system. And stay with me here because it has relevance to our lives and what we can do to live a happier, healthy, and more fulfilled life. And I want to talk first about the, the autonomic nervous system. And we've got the, in what most people know, we've got two parts to it we've got the sympathetic, which is called the fight or flight and some people say freeze, which is actually incorrect. We found now that the freeze part is a part of the parasympathetic. Now, the parasympathetic is the rest and digest, but also being immobilized. And There's five parts to this. Now, the first two parts are all centered around the vagus nerve, and you've got The ventral vagus nerve, which is all about social interaction, social cohesion, feeling connected and up and also relaxed. And the ventral is the more modern part as we've evolved. Now there's the dorsal part of it, which is all about shutdown, slow down and being immobilized, which can then turn into feeling quite depressed, not just sad, but quite depressed. Now, how does this all relate to our lives? I'm gonna give you a few examples. So now we're gonna go through the five parts of this whole autonomic nervous system and how it's gonna apply it to your life. So first, we've got, as I spoke of, the ventral vagus, which is all about that social engagement, really cooperating, cooperating with others and healthy competition. And then you've got the dorsal vagus, which is immobilization with fear. So that's when, like this pathway is activated when we face an overwhelming force and imminent destruction. When there is no point in fighting or running away, and we need to save what resources we have, and thus, that's why we immobilize. And activation of this pathway fosters feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, apathy, and really manifests in people withdrawing and shutting down. And so that's immobilization with fear. Now, then you've got the mobilization with fear, which is the sympathetic, which is there's something dangerous is coming to us we either need to stand and fight or run so just to be really clear about that fight or flight you is the sympathetic and the shutdown is deep parasympathetic like you've rested to the point where you're immobilized now the vagus nerve working together with all of this now we talk about what's called vagal tone, meaning the more toned, the more healthy your vagus nerve is, the happier and healthier you are on every level. So there's two, what's called two hybrid circuits, and we've got the sympathetic nervous system working with the parasympathetic, and there's two parts to that. So it's spinal sympathetic and ventral vagus, which is mobilization without fear. And an example of this is friendly competition. We get up an atom and we get a boost like we going for a workout. We're going to have a friendly game of soccer with other people, but then can turn sour if sympathetic becomes too strong. For example, one of the teams in soccer wants, starts to get really aggressive and want to dominate the other team. And this is where, for example, you'll see like bullying in school and things like that where there's once connection and now there's domination.
0: We have received so much positive feedback about this podcast and we absolutely love recording, editing and posting it for you to listen to. We would love your support and we would absolutely love it if you were to share this podcast with your friends.
1: And then the last part is where you have both the dorsal and ventral vagus nerve working together because a lot of people talk about the vagus nerve being one, but they're two very distinct nerves coming out of two different parts out of the brain. And what happens here is it's immobilization, but without fear. And Tink, when do you think that happens?
0: Oh, I've got an idea that the times where I'm immobilized without fear is usually during lovemaking.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> got it in one. Yeah, so it's intimacy and intimate behavior. And this is really characteristic. It, it, it's Characterized by calm, trusting feelings. You know that you can just lay and be still and just be with someone really close.
0: Yeah, so it might be, uh, you know, those lazy nights where you're laying on the couch together just in snuggles or mm. things like that.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Beautiful. That's intimacy too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So how does this relate to our lives? I've spoken to a few body workers, and one time one of them said to me, I'm finding that people are absolutely wiped when they get off the table. And I was concerned that they should even drive home. It's almost like they're, they're drunk. And where they reported back to me that they just couldn't get out of this depressive, low energy for two days. And we'd speak about it and look at it. Is it some sort of cleansing that's going on? But from reading everything I've just explained here, is the polyvagal theory by Dr. Stephen Porges. And he's shown us that you don't want to overstimulate the parasympathetic. So if you get deep body work and the person goes too far, then it can actually drop you into a very depressed state and it can take you a while to come out. So the point I'm making here is if you do get body work, or you do feel that you've been doing a meditation practice or some sort of practice and it leaves you white for a couple of days, but where it's not just tired, it's that almost depressed, don't want to get out of bed feeling like you've just hit been hit by a bus and you've got no energy. So to... Either talk to your practitioner or change what you're doing with your meditation practice.
0: Actually, I've got so – as you're saying this, I've got mm. some examples that where I've experienced this. So one of them was when I was in Bali and, you, you know, you think a four-hour experience at a day spa is a great idea. And mm-hmm. for me, what ended up happening was I got angry at one point because I was just overstimulated mm. with touch. I was like, if I thought, was thinking to myself, oh, I'm on the massage, but if she – Continues to massage, massage me any longer. I'm going to knock the woman out. And I remember thinking to myself, "Oh my god, I'm a psycho. What is wrong with me?" But it must have been the overstimulation of my my parasympathetic nervous system.
1: Yeah, that I think that what that would have been more as a protective mechanism that you've you've had your nervous system has had enough of that stimulation. So that's more sympathetic. If you wanted to punch her.
0: Well, no, it's just it was really just. So sensitive on my body, it, it, the pleasure was oh, gone.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, that is it, it's overstimulation. Yeah, of the you're right, overstimulation of the parasympathetic, and your body saying enough now.
0: Yeah, it was just enough. So yes. my body was trying to tell me, yeah. that mm. yeah, I was moving into that phase of being overstimulated. Yes. So because afterwards I was just unsociable, wiped out, and just feeling annoyed. Yeah. yeah. I didn't come out feeling blissful. No, I was beating myself Mm. up about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, because you you do have that real, you're saying you have that real sensitive touch.
0: So what part is that again?
1: That's the immobilization with fear. That's supreme stimulation of the dorsal vagus, which is all about, because you have a look at it, the whole nervous system, the whole human body is all, it's designed on keeping us alive. So knowing that you've got a much stronger person is going to harm you. So fighting could actually end up in your death. So then you completely immobilize and you save every resource. So the moment that you can actually get out of there, you've got the energy to be able to do it. That It's a survival mechanism.
0: Oh, I've had an experience where I was staying in a, a room above a pub. Now, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't a, like one of those low-class two yeah. star places. It was quite a nice place just mm-hmm. being renovated. Mm-hmm. And it was in Sydney. I was there for a, an entrepreneur's event. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the night, I'm just in this room on my own. It's a tiny room. There's nowhere to hide mm-hmm. and nowhere to go. Someone had come up the back stairs and, and, uh, it wasn't locked. So the people that were on staff had forgotten to lock or someone mm-hmm. had unlocked the back stair, mm-hmm. uh, door mm-hmm. and this man comes in he was absolutely ripped on something and very aggressive and he comes straight to my hotel door room and starts trying to open it and banging and screaming now coming from a violent background raised male voices send me into a, a fight or flight response yeah. i don't necessarily react but it makes my nervous system my body goes shaky mm. So, uh, my body started to go shaky, and then I went into a paralysis where I couldn't move my body, although my mind was mapping very quickly what actions I was going to take, but I couldn't move. So, what you're telling me is that my body went, This is so severe that I'm conserving energy until the time that this guy breaks through the door and I'm going to smash him. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you see it with in nature where, and, a small animal will faint, it faint and look like it's dead. And then the predator won't eat it because it's like, Oh, it's dead. It's, um, it's not fresh.
0: Mm. And,
1: and there's, I've seen footage where the lion grabs the the deer and it's just floppy and then it just drops it. And then you see the, the deer wake up in about a minute and just run off. It's wow. just a survival mechanism. Yeah. So that, and relating it all back to, because it's all well and good, having neuroscience information, you can impress your friends at a dinner party, but how is it applicable to your life? So coming, like what you said, that whole dorsal Vegas. but actually you had another moment where you were frozen, boxing.
0: Oh, yes. I remember you
1: told me about that moment.
0: Yes. So it's interesting because it, I was in – Two two different states happened very quickly for me. So mm-hmm. the fight or flight response occurred because I was sparring. Mm-hmm. So I had that adrenaline, that acute awareness. Mm-hmm. I knew I could hear everything around me, all of that. Uh, but then I copped two very quick and powerful punches to the face and it caused my neck to crack so loudly that it echoed in my head. And at that moment, my father's accident where his neck was broken come flooding back into my mind. That mm. memory just went bloop, straight into my head. And my mind started to tell me and my brain started to think that maybe I could be paralyzed too. And or I couldn't move. I just dropped to the floor and I, I couldn't get up. So I was on my knees mm-hmm. and my hands were on the floor and I was just focusing on my breathing. But I felt somewhat paralyzed and, and just unable to take action in any way
1: yeah and that would have been that dorsal vagus of don't move
0: yeah, and all I remember
1: I can Conserve thinking your was, energy
0: yeah, can I feel my feet, can I feel my feet can mm. I and it was and my trainer saw that something had happened and just made me get up and go punch the bag and mm-hmm. not stop punching the bag. That was a really good thing, but they didn't understand the trauma I was in at that no. moment. I was reliving a very yeah. terrifying experience in my life thinking it was happen- happening to me. But thank God the trainer did be quite strong with me and say, get out of the ring and get start punching the bag and just kept making me punch. So it interrupted that trauma loop I was in.
1: Which was actually quite a quite a smart thing to do because yeah get out of that loop and then start hitting the bag and then that part of your brain that will shut you down is like oh we're okay now if we're actually punching something we're all good
0: yes exactly so it was very fortunate um, outcome
1: if you're ready to age young discover the truth about accessing the fountain of youth and claiming your best ever health
0: check out our beautiful website at agerebels.com where you will find freebies programs and more
1: so coming back to this whole thing about fear we can see fear is very necessary if we didn't have fear of stepping onto a road we'd get all get run over fear of great big rabid dogs wanting to bite you and you go and pat them we'd, we'd get you know, you get munched but the thing is what I'm what I'm finding now and the message I really would like to get across at the moment with people because of two things. One, the, there's still the aftermath of the lockdowns and things like that, especially in, in Victoria. Yes. That's put them into flexion protection. And also very soon, if you haven't heard of it, very soon to, the talk about AI replacing your job, a robot's going to replace my job and people reacting to that and instead of responding and saying, wow, this is an opportunity for, for fantastic change. And I was at a meeting, it was a breakfast meeting and the very smart bunch of people and everyone was talking about, no, the way we've got to get out of this is, is all be, you know, more connected and more trusting and, and, be, and the world will be okay that way. And I thought, hmm, we're missing a big piece here because yes, You and I talk about it a lot that you're going to feel a lot better in life and one of the fountains of youth is social connection and social integration and and having lots of really good friendships and workplace relationships, things like that. But to actually say that people should be more connected is kind of missing the point because i always say what's causing them not to connect mm. and if we have a look at our life now because people talk about the blue zones where people live a long life and it's yeah it's a bit about their food but it's more about social connections but also it's very much about they don't live in really built up areas and like where lots of single people living in one bedroom apartments or couples just living in a an apartment you know we used to live in villages and where all the historical research has shown once you get over about 250 people, everything, the social cohesion and, and fulfillment, all that starts to go down because when there's about 200 people, everyone knows each other, everyone connects, and there's not that fear. But as soon as other people come into the tribe or the area, it's like, I don't know them. That part of our brain's going, well, I don't know them. So they could be a threat. So what do we do Now, to be able to recognize, hey, is fear driving a lot of my decisions? And we spoke in a previous podcast about what you're doing with women and that, that radical self-responsibility. And so what I encourage people to do is to first recognize, okay, am I in a fearful state? Am I making decisions in my life based out of a fear that doesn't help me or a, a fear that is real to say, okay, I'm going to take this risky step to involve myself in a business and I'm just going to go for it. But have you done due diligence? Have you looked at everything? So the the fear sometimes can block you in making the right decisions. So coming back to everyone connecting with each other and what it comes down to is when you're out and about in your day, is to check, not just like what's happening in your mind, but check your body, check your posture, check your breathing. Are you in this flexion protection? Is your breathing shallow? And so the best way to get out of that fear state is first, yes, recognize you're in that posture and your breathing is shallow. And then once you've adjusted your posture and standing up tall and breathing and feel into that, feel the difference between overly flexed and standing tall and you'll find an immediate change and then you're actually feeling better to connect with each person in your day. That's really cool I
0: love that and I just want to go back to those questions you were proposing there's there's a strategy I use if you're Mm -hmm. okay with me sharing this strategy yeah Yeah. Mm. that uh, that has helped me to move through paralyzing fear mm-hmm. or irrational fear that mm-hmm. doesn't actually exist. It's always just a projection of a possibility
1: yeah.
0: or a potential in the future. That's that false expectation of coming mm-hmm. real. So I always ask myself the question, what exactly am I afraid of? And usually it's the loss of something. So it's yes. what, am I, what am I afraid of losing? is it losing my life? Is it losing a relationship? Is it losing money? Is it losing mm. uh, face? So humiliation, Yeah. Um, you know, what is it I'm afraid of exactly? And then I will follow it up with, well, what's the probability of that happening? Okay. It's very low, but it doesn't make the fear disappear. Okay. Mm. So then the next thing I follow it up with is, well, what is my strategy if that was to happen? That's so a, a lot of people, will say, think positive and and don't allow you the opportunity to explore the worst possible outcome. But mm. I've come to realise that exploring and strategizing the worst possible outcome gives you a sense of power, control and relief that mm. even if the worst was to happen, because clearly it's taking my mind in directions and, and my body is responding in a stress, stressful way, mm-hmm. so I might as well address it and lean into it. It's not going to create it because what you're doing is actually moving through it and, and getting out the other side of it. So if it's, for example, I might lose money. Well, what is your strategy? If you were to lose the money, what is your strategy to bring yourself back from that? And yeah. once you decide what the strategy is, you've addressed the fear. You've technically on a neurological and at an energetic level as well as a physiological level actually Mm -hmm. because you're sending out a chemical cocktail of information to every cell of your body that you've already dealt with the problem so it no longer exists. So it's a a great strategy to use to help recalibrate that sympathetic response back to your parasympathetic rest and digest.
1: Yes. Cool. And what I do with my clients to really bring this home sometimes on quite a nuanced level that's having a quite a detrimental effect in their life is when they're training, especially if we're in a a resistance training situation, dumbbells, barbells, machines, and they start to have an overreaction to the weight, which is an overreaction to a stimulus. So for example, they're doing a leg press and all of a sudden they start to scrunch up their face or they find they're getting severe sharp pain in their back and they have no pathology or it's they've had a a back injury in the past due to it and so to be able to recognize that okay for some reason your threat detection center the amygdala is sending down signals into your face to scrunch it up and it's also sending down signals into your back to say no don't do this anymore because in the past you got really badly hurt and so Instead of listening to, as Elizabeth Gilbert said, not listening to that voice of fear, it's not going to drive the bus. The driver of the bus is actually your frontal cortex, the frontal lobe, which is the decision maker and the seer of clarity to be able to say, no, this is only a lightweight and I don't have a back injury anymore. So I get my client to calm their whole system down by slow, deep breathing, five seconds in, five seconds out. And then to recognize and to even verbalize sometimes I am safe. And most of the time, 99% of the time, the pain will be just gone. And they're saying, how does that happen? It's because pain is 100% in the brain. That doesn't mean if you have a pathology and injury, you just push on through it. You've got to have the right techniques but to recognize that often what is happening is only an overprotective response. Think it like an overprotective parent that's mollycoddling the child and carries the child so much the child loses the use of their legs, which serves no one. So the whole fear thing is really coming down to making a decision Is this protective and I need to make a decision to get out of the situation or is this holding me back or is this, yeah, keeping me small or restricting me in a way that's not healthy?
0: There's a really cool book I read when I was in uh, Koh Samui Mm. over the Christmas New Year period and I actually – gave up an opportunity to go canoeing and and, um, snorkeling to keep reading this book because it just got me in that much. I couldn't believe the book. Yeah. And it was called The Fear Bubble by Ant Middleton, the SAS guy.
1: You put me onto that great Uh, book.
0: Yeah. And if I'm to give any sort of snapshot of this book, it's really very basic, but it's told in such a fabulous Mm. four-part story way uh, that – and gives himself permission to feel fear when he's in that bubble where the fear exists. So, for example, he is on a what do they call him? A mission, you know, yeah, like yeah. a yeah. he's on a job. <laughs> yeah, and it's very very dangerous. And I think was he in Afghanistan? Yeah, he was SAS. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he knew there was rounds being fired off quite rapidly from a particular, behind a wall of a building and they were being fired at. So his job was to get into that building. So where he actually was, he started to feel fear. And then all of a sudden he realized, hang on, I don't need to waste energy on being afraid here. I don't need to feel fear here. Where is the fear? The fear is behind that wall. So I give myself permission to feel fear once I break through the door because I don't know what's behind there. So until I get to that point, I'm not going to waste focus and energy on fear. So he got his clarity back and he got Mm. acute focus. So he got to the door and then he, he said, I could literally see a bubble inside behind the door, through the door. And I called that the fear bubble. And he said, I'm going to give myself permission to feel fear in there. And when I get through the other side- I, and I'm through the bubble, I no longer feel fear again. And that was his agreement with himself. So he busted through the door. He allowed the fear to come in and he, he sliced the pie with the with the uh, weapon. And what mm-hmm. he found was a 12-year-old boy just firing rounds into the air, just terrified, not knowing what to do. So then oh. in that moment, he said as soon as he saw the 12-year-old boy, the fear bubble dissipated because it, he was harmless so he no longer felt fear again he let go of the fear he didn't hold on to it and he, then he had the ability to be able to make a decision about the 12 year old boy yeah and then he got out of the building and there was another building he had to enter that he knew there was danger in there so he he saw a bubble that he allowed himself an opportunity to feel when he was in the bubble and mm. then let go of it outside of the bubble so we didn't waste any time laying in bed laying awake thinking about things that hadn't happened yet or or misplacing fear in times and and periods of his Mm. life where it didn't belong because there was no imminent danger. And I just thought that was a really powerful and profound placement of fear by not denying it, by allowing it. So it's not – the denial of it is wasting as much energy as being in it because it's there. So you might as well put it in the right place and deal with it in the moment.
1: Thanks for the reminder because I remember you put me onto that book and listened to it, but that is a great technique if you – that really resonates for you. It's a great listen because he's a great narrator or if you prefer to read it, yeah, the fear bubble's brilliant. And so that once again is coming back to instead of immobilization or then overreaction, so if he was just so fearful, he hadn't trained himself well enough and hadn't mentally that you could get that immobilization, which is that dorsal vagus, or – overreaction and could have shot the kid.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. As well in the book. You know that that is yeah. that allowing fear to take control of you. Mm. Mm. But when you're just allowing fear to be there, yeah. you're not in denial of it, but you have an agreement with it, mm. then you are you have control of it and you have control of who you're choosing to be inside of it as well where what you were talking about with those different levels of of the vagus nerve etc mm. and what what normally controls what you know, it's all part of keeping us safe and alive, but we can go into a state of irrational fear where we make Mm. stupid decisions, Mm. say stupid things in relationships, all sorts of things. So it gives you an opportunity to actually be more rational in an unpleasant feeling.
1: Yeah. And even a situation where we've got immobilization without fear, let's say you're being intimate with someone and it's, maybe the first time you've been with them, and all of a sudden, then it can turn into a more sympathetic, fearful state. And I'll give you an example that often guys can experience. What gives a man an erection is the parasympathetic nervous system. The ejaculation is sympathetic.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. So the last thing you, because you have a look at it, the last thing you want is to have fight or flight, which pushes all the blood into your extremities. And your body isn't thinking, yes, we need to make babies. So if like, if that happens as a guy and where you find, "Uh uh-oh, no movement at the station, (laughs) so to speak, then to be able to recognize like, ah, this is that I've become so quiet and so I'm not used to this. And that's the time when don't keep it to yourself. Talk to the woman.
0: Yes, absolutely. And as a woman, a woman would appreciate that. And if they don't, they're not the right woman, (laughs) clearly.
1: Because otherwise the woman's thinking, oh, isn't he attracted to me? That's 100%
0: what they think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so that understanding can help eliminate that fear for for the future, most certainly, or give an opportunity to find a solution for it. But. You're even in, it's interesting, isn't it? You connect with someone and you go into an intimate moment and then I've done it myself where you go mm. into fear because you start to question yourself. You question, am mm. I good enough? Well, yeah. How do I look? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, All these yeah, yeah, silly yeah. things. Why do we allow that to consume us? If mm. we're just present in the moment,
1: mm.
0: apparently Wilbur likes this conversation. No, well, Can you hear Wilbur, him in the background? Wilbur, That's my dog.
1: He's just saying that it's um, two minutes past five, he gets this guy has this this little dog has a, a just a clock in his head, and he goes into fear state, thinking if I don't if I don't get fed right on five o'clock, I will starve to death.
0: Yeah, so he's he's, he's making in, noises he's, in he's, the background. He's getting
1: really pushy.
0: <laughs> but going back to the yes. the intimacy, yeah. it, you know, a woman is not going to enjoy herself if she is in a sympathetic state of mind, nope. and she's not in that rest and being able to bring her mind into the areas that are experiencing pleasure. Mm. You can't do that when you're in fear and you're no. self-conscious. Yeah. So, yeah, really important context.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the, to make a conclusion about this whole fear topic that, yeah, is very necessary for our survival, but if you find yourself in a situation where you think, ah, I'm, I, the, if you find yourself questioning it, then do question it. And what I've found wonderful work, like Ant Middleton's book is great. But if you want something that is really, really practical, the work by Byron Katie, mm, it's, all, I love that it's one. free online. There's four questions you ask about anything and the exploration and the insights you get, even from the most mundane things. Oh, Hey, dude. He's really can <laughs> that, that the insights that you get about things that you would you know feel pathetic about you know well that person didn't say hello to me and you think oh my god but but you use that for inquiry because it'll come down to a fear you'll be able to see where it comes from how to resolve it and it's an incredible evolution so that's a, a, a wonderful tool to address Any fear?
0: Yeah, I think uh, definitely listen to the book, The Work, and get Mm. the app, The Work, because the questions for The Work, there's no point going into it. People understand it when they listen to it, but the questions are on that app. So I'll put those links to both of those books in the um, show notes. And Isaac, I think it would be really great if we mm-hmm. could use your notes for today Yes, because it's a lot to take in yes. and put it possibly as a blog yes. on the website and mm-hmm. I'll put a link to that as well.
1: Yeah, because I, I hope I didn't confuse people with the five parts of this autonomic nervous system when you've got parasympathetic, sympathetic. But what it really comes down to is when people say it's either fight or flight and freeze or rest and digest, it's a lot more And it's a lot more nuanced, especially as we've evolved as human beings. So explore away.
0: Brilliant. Thanks for the conversation, Isaac. I loved it.
1: Yeah, me too. Hey, rate and review us and we'll love you even more. Thanks for joining this podcast. Want to take the conversation further and learn more about how to live an energised and pain-free life as you age?
0: Then jump into our website at agerebels.com.
1: Stay tuned for the next episode of the Age Rebels Revolution.